The show that takes a deep dive into the life and work of artisans and creatives of the African diaspora. I'm your host, Jasmine Renee, and today the topic is dance. And we are honored to have Dr. Halifu Osamare with us today. She and I will be in conversation about her career and her life. And at the end, we'll have a giveaway. So be sure and listen all the way through for those details. It's the Afro-lution, and now you know. The Afro-lution is sponsored by My Creative Spirit. Log on to mycreativespirit.net for classes, workshops, and other fun activities. www.mycreativespirit.net. It's the Afro-lution, and now you know. Hi, Halifu. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. How are you today? Well, it's my pleasure, Renee. I'm doing just great here in Sacramento, California. Yes, sunny, sunny California. Dr. Osamare, you are such a busy sister. What projects are you working on now? Uh, well, I um, have a series of February Zoom presentations that span um, uh, a, a talk on my book, uh, Dancing in Blackness, uh, a memoir, yeah. uh, and which you, you are going to be participating in. I am. And uh, uh, I, I'm also going to be doing a Black History Month poetry reading with a group of poets in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to uh, be a part of um, Camille A. Brown's Social Dance for Social Change and her series. Uh, Brenda Dixon Gottschall, another dance scholar, and I are going to be in conversation about the history of race and racism in dance. Oh, yes. And uh, and the end of February, I'm appearing in um, Charmaine uh, uh, Hunter's series called um, Black Dance Stories that she's been doing uh, on uh, YouTube. Last night was Bill T. Jones and uh, another artist. And I'm going to be on there on the 25th of um, February. So I have quite a schedule for Black History Month. Looking forward to it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And thank you for sharing that with our audience. And at the end, if we're able to highlight the event that you and I are doing together, we can give them some more information on that. Okay. Um, Sankofa Books. So let's jump right in. In your book, Dancing in Blackness, which I'm working on reading, you mentioned this, but for the sake of our audience, tell us what does Halifu mean and how did you get your name? Well, Halifu is a Swahili term which uh, translates to mean the um, rebellious, independent one in the family. 
and it fits. <laughs> uh, osumare is a, a Yoruba uh, word or term that is um, uh, the spirit of the rainbow deity in the Yoruba religion. And I was given this name in 1973 by our dear late friend, well, she's still our present friend, but uh, the late poet, playwright, Intozaki Shange. Uh, she came uh, to visit me uh, after we had become friends. She was my dance student. Uh, and Oakland, California, 1973, with a little envelope with the name and the meaning written on it for uh, me to meditate on. And she says, I brought you a gift and you don't have to keep it if you don't want it. But if you do feel that it belongs to you, mm -hmm. I, um, I would like you to have it. And I did meditate on Halifu Osamari for about a month. I didn't even tell anybody. Okay. And um, after that month, my spirit says, this is you. And I've been Halifu Osamari ever since. In the beginning, as a, a dancer performer in my mid twenties at that time, mm -hmm. uh, I um, I only used Halifu. I became like Beyonce, you know. <laughs> I was like Halifu. <laughs> there was no last name. Okay. And then at a and then at a certain point, I said, "Now look, if you're going to assume this name is your professional name, you got to have a surname too. You need <laughs> to just claim the whole thing that Intosaki gave you, Halifu Oshimare." And at a certain point, I, uh, I did take the whole name. And most people in, uh, in my uh, life, my career, uh, and among most of my friends, they don't even know my birth name. They, okay. they only know Halifu Osamare. Uh, and uh, that's what I've been going by since uh, 1973, when Intozaki first bestowed my name on me. And we were doing that during that period uh, among African-Americans because we were searching for our African roots. I feel, I feel good uh, with having that name and uh, it definitely fits me because in the totality, it means the independent one in the mm -hmm. rainbow. Okay. And, it, and it's Pan-African from East Africa, Swahili mm -hmm. uh, area to uh, West Africa, the Yoruba, area in Nigeria. In Nigeria, yes. So full disclosure, everyone, I met Halifu when I was working with uh, our friend, may she rest in peace, Intozaki Shange. So you were friends with Intozaki for many years, and I love this story, but tell me how you met her. Well, uh, I, I met her in, um, in the Bay Area when she came into my class and uh, began to uh, take my dance classes. I was teaching what I called Afro jazz at that point right. um, with some Afro-Haitian dance uh, based on the Dunham technique, which I myself was studying. Right. And um, uh, she came up to me and she said, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've met you before. And I said, when? I, I don't remember this. She yeah. goes, I saw you dance at uh, the Village Vanguard in New York uh -huh. uh, last year in 1972, you got up and started improvising to um, Pharaoh Saunders, the great Pharaoh Saunders uh, jazz band. And I said, you did? She goes, yes, you didn't see me because you were definitely involved uh -huh. in performing. 
She goes, well, I was in that audience and I'm so glad to have um, found you here now in my new home of the Bay Area. Uh -huh. So um, uh, we met uh, uh, together formally in 73, but she had seen me perform in my, um, my incarnation as a dancer performer and I was known for dance improvisation, especially to 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 uh, jazz musicians. And okay. uh, you know that's how we got together, and we remained friends uh, until then. Uh, I when when I would go to the East Coast after she moved back to New York, uh, I I would see her there. And every she would come to the Bay Area, we would uh, we would see each other, and I choreographed many of her productions and actually directed a few of her plays. Which uh, of her plays did you direct? Um, there was a play called, um, uh, it, it originally was called Mouths, A Daughter's Geography mm -hmm. that was first performed uh, at the kitchen in 1981 okay. in, in New York with Tulani Davis directing it and Diane McIntyre choreographing it. Okay. Then in 1985, she was scheduled to direct that. Now she had changed the name to From Okra to Greens, A Different Kind of Love Story. Right. But that's the same play, but right. she, she was oftentimes renaming the plays that she originally uh, called it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and she was scheduled of all places to direct her own play at the University of Mississippi in their summer play series, okay. 1985. She got, she, she got ill, I can't remember exactly what was wrong with her, but she called me and she begged me if I would go in her place and direct that play. Right. And, I, and I accepted and, uh, and so I directed that play at the University of Mississippi in 1985. And then in, in 87, I directed For Colored Girls at San Francisco State University and it won the best play for that particular uh, season at that university. Okay. Um, I choreographed Spell Number Seven, I choreographed um, uh, Boogie Woogie Landscapes, okay. many of her productions for um, the Lorraine Hansberry Theater in San Francisco, which she um, uh, always maintained a relationship with, like, much like she had with Crossroads in New Jersey. Right. She had she had a relationship with Lorraine Hansberry Theater in San Francisco. And since I was there, anytime one of her plays came, she always wanted me to choreograph. Okay. So beside Intazaku and of course, Diane McIntyre, um, who are some of the other notable performers that you work with? Well, I would say the most notable is the famous Catherine Dunham herself, yes. who is, um, you know, she's the mother of black dance in, uh, in the Americas, really. And uh, in the 1930s, she, as a, as a dancer herself, uh, studying anthropology, went to the Caribbean, Haiti, Martinique, Jamaica, um, Trinidad, and began to study the, uh, the dance forms, the African-derived dance forms in that area, and began to mix uh, what she had learned there with um, ballet and modern dance that she uh, was studying in Chicago, and created the unique, and still today, um, one of the only uh, codified dance forms by an African-American called the Dunham Technique. 
So, you know, she, <coughs> excuse me, is um, considered really our spiritual mother in dance. Alvin Ailey um, came from her. Mm -hmm. Many other uh, well-known black choreographers came through uh, what we consider the Dunham legacy. So um, she, uh, I had been studying her technique with Ruth Beckford in the Bay Area in uh, starting in my, right after high school in my teens. And I didn't meet Ms. Dunham herself until around 1986 when she was holding summer workshops in East St. Louis, um, Illinois. And I started going to those seminars and we became very close. I ended up bringing her to Stanford University where I was a, a, a dance professor in, uh, in the mid 1980s. Um, and then once I moved to Hawaii, yeah, I lived out in the middle of the Pacific also. I also uh, formed a residency for her to come out there so with those kinds of ways in which I was producing the famous Catherine Dunham, uh, we became very close. Um, Rod Rogers is another of my mentors. I danced with him professionally in New York in 1972. And uh, uh, his company is one of the few black dance companies besides Ailey in yeah. New York that is still going on today from those early 70, uh, Black dance period in New York. Um, so I've had many different mentors, but those are several of the highlights who um, on, on shoulders on whom I stand. Thank you. The, um, when you mentioned that Dunham technique, let's go on and jump into that. In your words, uh, briefly tell us what, the, what is the Dunham technique? Well, I think at its basis, Ms. Dunham taught the understanding that dance is the integration of mind, body, and spirit. Right. That leaving out any of those three components of the human consciousness and the human uh, living experience uh, would not give you full-fledged dance. Right. That of course is physical, but dance is so much more than just doing steps. Right. That dance is in fact, um, embodied knowledge that we have so much to say that when we dance we are actually visualizing text itself and i think Intozaki really understood dance in that way that dance is embodied text right. so you can learn to read um, movement you can learn to uh, understand movement phrases just like you can learn to read sentences and paragraphs on the page. Miss okay. um, Dunham definitely believed in that and she became our model of the, the uh, dancer artist scholar because she was also a writer um, and wrote many, many books. Uh, she also believed very deeply in the human spirit right. and that um, without us getting to know who we were spiritually, yeah. we cannot truly dance. And so as a part of her technique, she teaches us um, how to um, use the breath of life, to use deep breathing techniques, to center ourselves even before we actually do one single movement. Right. So in, in um, the whole process of being certified as a Dunham teacher, you have to learn the, uh, the power of breath, 
-hmm. You have to learn how to teach people to center themselves and to use breathing at the very beginning of the class before you do the first physical exercise. Right. And through those kinds of, of ways of looking at dance, um, the integration of mind, body, and spirit is definitely Dunham technique. She has uh, uh, several theories uh, and, and uh, philosophies that one has to learn in order to be certified in the technique. And I would say one of the main theories that she has taught us is socialization through the arts. That if you understand the arts as something that is um, a part of becoming a developed human being, and if different human beings take that understanding of the arts, the whole community will, will rise together and become productive um, in uplifting their uh, community. And that idea of socialization through the arts is what she was doing in East St. Louis. When she disbanded her company in the mid 60s, moved to East St. Louis, which is a very economically depressed community and yeah. began to try to make a difference in her school called the Performing uh, Arts Training Center. Um, and the legacy of Dunham is still very much in East St. Louis. Doctor, um, there's a lady in theater her name is Dr. Barbara Antier, and uh, she founded the National Black Theater up in New York. Yes, I know. I've been, I've been there. I went there when, in the 70s when it was really, really flourishing. Right. The two of their, their, their whole approaches to art sound similar to me. They sound mm -hmm. very similar. And oh, it's yeah. about the whole person and teaching the whole person and the whole body experience of it. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. You know, I think people, artists who really tune into the essence of art itself yeah. will arrive uh, at similar places, most even if they're doing different art forms. Most definitely. Most definitely. So let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, Halifu, when did you know that you had to dance? Hmm. That's a good question, Renee, uh, because... Um, I had been, I started studying dance as an art form okay. in high school. So I would say around age five, uh, 15 mm -hmm. is when I really started taking formal dance classes. Before mm -hmm. that, I was just booking uh, like all the other kids to, to uh, uh, 50s and 60s rock and roll and, you know, and uh, just, learning all the social dances, and that's what dance meant to me. Right. Um, I, I was uh, lucky enough to go to a high school that had a teacher who had studied the Hanya Home modern dance technique, um, and she talked the school into um, uh, developing a, uh, a, a modern dance program within physical education. Mm -hmm. And you could take dance three days a week, and then you had to do some kind of sports Right. I like I like tennis and volleyball okay. the other two days, okay? So, but those three days, she really uh, taught us a lot about modern dance. And I began to see uh, that dance could actually be a profession, which was a totally different uh, concept to me. Right. It was just, to me, it was just something that everybody just did, you know, socially. Okay. Um, now, 
I, so by the time I entered San Francisco State University as an undergraduate, after graduating from high school, I had three years of modern dance. And under the tutelage of uh, one of the black dance teachers in, uh, at San Francisco State at the time, uh, uh, Mrs. Nancisi Caillou, yeah. who just recently passed about a year ago, mm -hmm. um, uh, she began to kind of push me into wanting to major in dance because my parents wouldn't let me in the beginning. And so I had to minor in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I would say the, the, the time that the spark, the, the, the sense that I had to do this as my destiny in life came during that period at San Francisco State when I first took uh, classes that had the drums as accompaniment. Uh, I had only been taking dance classes that had piano, like uh, classical piano as a part of it. And I liked it, it was nice, but it didn't inspire me to say, okay, this is what I wanna do in my life. I took a class from <clears throat> a brother by the name of Ed Mock, who was originally from Chicago, mm -hmm. and he taught what he called Afro-Cuban dance. Yes. And he had live conga drummers in there. Yeah. And when I started hearing those drums, I said, wow, this is a whole other experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, and originally I was like, not, I couldn't stay on the beat. And he would all be yelling, get on the beat. You, where, don't you hear the drums, you know? And uh, I don't know, at, a, at one time I took his class, all of a sudden something just opened up in me. I can't even tell you exactly what it was, but he was right. When I started really hearing the drums, that did a whole other thing to my, to my body and to my spirit, going back to that connection between the two, you know? And that was it. I was like, I had to do this. This was like something that was calling me, you know, uh, when I heard those drums. And it was the connection to the drums and my body that really made me feel that I had to do this, that I couldn't listen to my parents anymore. I had to make this a priority in my life. Right. And this was what was going to be my profession. Uh, and it, so it was the connection with the African rhythms mm -hmm. that really made me not necessarily decide, but it was decided for me. <laughs> <laughs> the drums decided for me that this was my calling and I've never regretted it ever since. And you haven't regretted a moment of it. That's, nope. That story that you shared is very, very similar to a story I had when my parents told me theater wasn't a real major and it certainly wasn't a real major for a black woman. So yeah. at least your parents let you get a minor in it. Mine were like no major, no minor, no. You're going to get a degree and get a real job and later on in life because that was what god had planned for me i got a degree in theater because i had a, i got a degree in business at first and then i got a degree in theater and went on to get a master's because again that calling and when that calling is in your heart you've got to answer that calling exactly and now i'm sure they 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 realize that you were right from the very beginning yeah. because it, <laughs> it was my because i had to do what worked for me 
Right. You know, and, 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 you, and you've made it work and you've made it your life's calling yes, and yes. you've made your living from I it. made my living. I tell my students that all the time. I'm very blessed that I have been able to make my living with the arts. I'm very honored and blessed to have done that. So let's switch gears again just a little bit. According to your website, you've written several books. So not only are you an artiste, madame, you're a scholar as well. Your books, um, The Hip Life in Ghana, The Africanist Aesthetic in Global Hip Hop, and then your latest offering, which I'm reading now, Dancing in Blackness. Now, Dancing in Blackness has won several awards. Talk to us about that. Well, um, uh, you know, I feel very blessed that it's been very well received. It was published in uh, 2018. And in 2019, uh, it received the uh, Selma Jean Cohen um, Aesthetics in Dance Prize from uh, the uh, American Society of Aesthetics. Uh, it's, it's, uh, they choose a, a, a dance book, um, uh, and the award is named after Selma Jean Cohen, who actually wrote several encyclopedias on dance okay uh, and uh i was i was totally surprised that just came out of the clear blue well a lot of times when you write if you have a good publisher they right. send it out to a lot of different um uh, uh uh places that uh give out prizes and awards for uh writing and all of, all of a sudden i get this email saying your book has been selected and I had to go to their annual conference and receive and receive the award and gave a talk on my book. And so I felt very, um, very pleased about that because that, that was an organization that's in the arts that uh, recognized this as a major contribution to the arts, exactly. you know, um, and uh, the fact that I'm talking about myself as a black dance artist and they're recognizing it as a major contribution to the arts in general, I thought, I thought was a, a, a major step forward. Yeah. Um, then I got uh, in, also in, in 2019, I got American Book Award for Dancing and Blackness. Mm -hmm. And that is given uh, by the Before Columbus, um, organization that is out of the San Francisco. It is one of the few <clears throat> literary organizations in the West Coast that give out national awards. There are many organizations on the East Coast that give out national book awards, but this is one based in San Francisco and Oakland. And uh, I felt, again, very blessed to have received that because th they gave the award just as writing, as, liter as a, a as literary piece. Um, and the awards, the other awards that went to uh, other authors that year wrote about all kinds of things, you right. know, from the environment to, you know, uh, various subject matters. But the fact that they chose a book on dance and as an important piece of literature, uh, especially in what they consider to be uh, the, uh, the multicultural genre of writing, because they're looking at people from all ethnicities, all backgrounds, and they particularly focus on that, that Dancing in Blackness was indeed, you know, a major work. And so I felt, 
you know, uh, getting that literary award was, was um, uh, important and it made me feel like, yes, you are a writer. Because I had written those two other books, right. you know, which were really, they were a, a, a more about my job. <laughs> To be to be truthful, I mean, I mean, th this was my research area. I decided um, at the doctoral level that I was going to write about um, hip hop yeah. and the globalization hip hop as the latest manifestation of the influence of Black culture on the world. Okay. Even beyond the United States, okay. and so uh, um, the Africanist aesthetic and global hip hop um, power moves was my major look at. Uh, how hip hop was affecting uh, the the globe, right. and and then the hip life in Ghana, West African indigenization of hip hop was about how it was influencing West Africa, right. um, and that was um, the two books that helped me to gain a full professorship with tenure at University of California Davis. Now, they, they, I was definitely into it, and I got a Fulbright fellowship to go and spend a year in Ghana to really study uh, uh, how hip-hop was affecting the youth in the capital city of Accra. So I had lots of research behind those books. Um, but again, they were, you know, about my research agenda for my job at the university. When I wrote Dancing in Blackness, this was my personal story. This was my memoir. And so I just felt very differently about it because, you know, it's, it's about my life. And to, to get those awards was uh, especially meaningful because um, I was writing from a very personal perspective, even though I put a lot of research into that as well. Yeah. Um, friends, we're going to take a brief 30 second pause for the cause. It's the Afrolution. And now you know. Osomare, and she is talking about her book, Dancing in Blackness. I have the biggest question about that. I'm working on reading it now. Your book, Dancing in Blackness, your memoir, tells this extraordinary career 
tales of this extraordinary career that you had. You danced from Europe to Boston, to New York, to California, to Ghana, then back to California. Out of all of these wonderful places, what are some of your fondest memories of any of these locations? Well, um, in Europe, uh, I was in my early 20s. That this, uh, I, I left for Europe when I was 21 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was bold. I was bold. You sure were. I was a bold young woman. I, I call myself a black hippie uh, in, uh, in the, uh, uh, in out of coming out of the Haight Ashbury in San Francisco State with the right. with the the, the uh, revolution for um, black studies going on in San Francisco State, the first one to have a black studies department. Mm -hmm. uh, I was coming out of all of that uh, revolutionary fervor, and I just decided that I wanted to go and 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 check out myself in the world, get outside of the United States, because I felt like. We are so myopic as uh, as uh, uh, Americans, uh, and so I actually left for Europe with a one-way ticket, and I didn't come back for three years. Yes, wow. I was there for three years, uh, and my <clears throat> two areas, <clears throat> excuse me, that I uh, I did the most work in was in Scandinavia, Copenhagen for one year and in Stockholm, Sweden for uh, one year. Okay. That year in Copenhagen, I met up with a, a New York Jewish woman and we started a dance company together uh, called the Magic Lotus Dance Theater. So <laughs> reflective of the 60s, right? <laughs> a Magic Lotus Dance Theater. <laughs> and, and, and we found some Danish girls and they, they were willing to do our choreography. Modern dance was really just beginning to flourish there in Copenhagen. And so as Americans, uh, me from the West Coast, Diane, her name was Diane Black okay. from, the, from New York, from the East Coast, we really stood out. Okay, these Americans are starting this modern dance company with these Danish folks. So we got a lot of publicity and in Dancing in Blackness, I put a couple of our reviews, okay. uh, newspaper reviews with our photographs in there and, uh, you know, but all written in Danish, right? Okay. The reviews. Okay. Um, and then in Stockholm, I uh, was hired to teach at one of the most uh, prestigious uh, schools of dance called the Ballet Academine. In, but in English, it's the, the Ballet Academy. And uh, I was hired to teach uh, uh, jazz dance there. And Miss Dunham had several of her former company members uh, teaching there. And I was able to continue studying Dunham technique there with uh, people like Vinoy um, Akins, who had yeah. been Miss Dunham's, one of her uh, main dance partners in her company. Wow. So that was an important experience, and it allowed me to see myself as uh, a Black woman outside of the United States racism, outside of the racist hierarchy in America. It really allowed me to, to see myself more as an individual, because I found that uh, most Europeans, uh, it's not that they didn't see me as a Black person, but they also they really focused on me as an individual in a way that you did not get in the United States. Okay. 
So and, that's what's on you as an individual, right? Yes, for the most part. Yeah, you will still, you know, I still talk about the, uh, what I call the Josephine Baker syndrome. Yeah, and, tell, uh, tell us what that is about. I got to that part in the book. Um, I'm sorry, I think I hear my phone ringing, but that's, that's okay. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah, that's my landline, which I never answer anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you're still seen as exotic. You're not, right. you know, just one of them. You're seen as the exotic other. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's what allowed Josephine Baker to get over in France. And it allowed me to get over. I talk about that particularly in Spain, where in order to just be able to um, survive financially, I had to uh, take a job dancing as what we call then a go-go dancer in a discotheque would be, you know, in, in the clubs, you stand on, on top of the platform and just, yeah, to boogie to the music. But I brought my own music. I brought, you know, uh, James Brown, Luther Vandross and, and, and other folks music that I really like to dance to. And I said, I'm only dancing to this music. So you play my tape and you pay me to dance. Right. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. I commanded it, you know, so I used the whole idea of, uh, this black woman as exotic other for my advantage as much as I could to be able to 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 survive, but I really wanted to get back into my concert dance, and that's what I was able to do. I did the dancing um, in the in the clubs uh, in Spain, mm -hmm. but by the time I re reached uh, Scandinavia, I was able to really really dive into concert dancing again. And that's what I was there for. Uh, in West Africa, that was a whole other experience, obviously, because, yeah. you know, I found my, um, I found myself, I found uh, my uh, culture, that, that idea of the inner ear opening up when I heard the drums in the Afro-Cuban class in San Francisco as a young, uh, teenager. Now, I was able to really find the source of that in Ghana and uh, was able to dance not only at the University of Ghana who that had formal dance classes uh, to learn their traditional dances, uh, but also to be able to dance with the people in villages and in the real deal with uh, uh, full drum ensembles. And because I had studied, I knew a little bit about what I was doing and I was accepted. And uh, I talk in chapter five, Dancing in Africa, uh, about the experience of dancing with the people on dirt village floors wow. you know, for the first time. And that was um, uh, something that really, again, awakened my inner spirit in a way that when I came back to the United States, I always say any remnants of what I consider to be the slave mentality had, had fallen away. Right. There, I was totally self-empowered, self-defined, and nobody could define me uh, except myself. Except yourself. So, right. so the, the whole experience of living abroad did that for you oh yes so you know it, it's it's very different and anybody who goes and lives in in somewhere else other than the united states as an american 
-hmm. and particularly as a black American will know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Yeah. So uh, we're going to uh, switch gears one last time. I'm hoping that I have some young listeners who are interested in following in your footsteps. So what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in dance? I would say don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I like to, uh, when somebody says, you know, I'm thinking about it, I say, don't do that. No, 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 don't, don't do that. And they look at me like they don't expect me to say that. And I say, the only reason why you should dance or think about a career in dance if you're not going to be happy doing anything else. Because if you don't have the resilience and the fortitude, it is not going to be for you because you're going to have to get over a whole lot of obstacles in order to make it, make it in the field of dance. Yeah. Because even in the performing arts, dance is at the low end of the totem pole. You know, when you talk about the arts, you know, you think about, you think about uh, uh, music. Mm -hmm. Music is a major industry. And you can, you know, if you really work hard, you can make it and, and, and make a living in it. Theater is above dance. You know, you can make it in theater. Um, you know, at least, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you, if you can't just do um, uh, what you want to do in community theater, there is, there is potentially work in Hollywood, et cetera. But dance is always the, um, the stepchild of the arts because they, I mean, it, it, it animates everything. I mean, look at any award show, look at any music video when somebody is, is showcasing their new song. What gets your attention? The dancers. The dancers. Everybody. All right. So, right. you know, dance is the one of the most vital of the performing arts, but it is the least um, uh, respected in terms of the the kind of um, of recognition it should get mm -hmm. and the kind of training that it takes in order to be really good at it. You know, and you have to fight to make a living in dance. So when young people say, you know, I'm thinking about a career in dance, I say, don't do it. <laughs> and I don't do it unless you really can't be happy doing anything else. And then if you have that kind of propulsion from your inner spirit to do it, you will find a, made a way to make it work. You'll find a way to make a living out of it. You'll find a way to find your own voice within it and be able to make your statement in life. But if you don't have that depth of, 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 of feeling and, and motivation and a sense of mission about being a dancer, don't do it. <laughs> I tell my acting students that, or my theater students, there's only one reason to get a degree in theater. And that's because that's what God has put in your heart to do. And you've got the wherewithal to do it. Because other than that, if you're doing it for the money, that might not happen for you. If you're doing it for the fame, that might not happen for you. And you're going to hear the word no a lot more a than lot. you're going to hear the word yes. You know, so you've got, it's got to be something that's placed in your heart. And you've got to have the wherewithal you have so yeah. i i got you on that so now where can our listeners connect with you how how can we keep up with what halifu is up to 
Well, you can always go to my website, um, which is very easy to remember, www.h for Halifu, mm -hmm. and my last name, Osamari, O-S-U-M-A-R-E.com. Right. Hosamari.com will get you to my website. I uh, post things that I'm doing as well as my uh, latest choreography right. and uh, uh, lectures. Uh, I have a blog on there with, uh, with lots of uh, materials that I have both videoed and uh, that I have written. Mm -hmm. And so um, that will be the best way to do it uh, is to go just to go to my website. You have um, you have a um, Instagram page, is that correct? You have Instagram. Yeah, I have Instagram. I have um, uh, uh, Facebook, and yeah. I have Twitter. Uh, and you can usually find me on all of those at H O Samari. I just use my first initial and uh, last full name. Okay, and the event. Let's um, push our event one last time for our uh, viewers, our okay. listeners. Yeah, I'm bringing that up now. Uh, I would say that uh, if you want to hear me talk about dancing and blackness, uh, Friday, uh, February 5th mm -hmm. at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, is uh, the place to go because Sankofa uh, Bookstore in Washington, D.C. is um, doing an hour and a half uh, uh, presentation of Dancing in Blackness, and somebody named Renee Charlo is actually <laughs> going to be uh, uh, interviewing me and uh, talking to me about the book. So you get a chance to actually see us <laughs> and, and hear us in dialogue with each other all around my book. And so that's uh, Friday, February 5th um, uh, at 6 p.m., uh, Sankofa Bookstore, and uh, I hope everyone, you know, comes to it because uh, all you have to do is Google um, Sankofa Bookstore, and I'm sure you can get to the website of the actual event site from there. Yeah, they have it posted up there, and they like to run it through the website. So you just go to Sankofa Books DC, and um, the sign up for the for her talk, for our talk rather, is there where you can find it. Okay, well, we've come to the end of this journey, and but there's always something else to learn and discover. For my first giveaway, ladies and gentle persons, I have a copy of the book, Dance We Do, which features the lovely Halifu and her interview with Intazaki. So for the first email I receive at the Jazzy Diva, that's T-H-E-J-A-Z-Z-I-E-D-I-B-A at gmail.com, telling me how Halifu met Intazaki. I'll send you a complimentary copy of Dance We Do by Intazaki Shange. To keep up with the upcoming guests of the Afrolution, visit www.mycreativespirit.net. I want to take a moment again to thank our esteemed guests, Halifu Osamare, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Renee. I really enjoyed it. I love talking with you about the arts and dance in particular. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Jasmine Renee. Until next time, create art, create theater, create love, and create peace. Rest in power, Queen Antazaki.
It's the Afrolution. And now you know. Thank you.